0: It's a time and a place for us to use our standard openings and intros in every song, but tonight's not one of those nights. It has been a week of a day, Tony.
1: Yes, that it has.
0: <clears throat> Good evening, and welcome to the May 18th, 2020 edition of The Reaction here on the Chair Shot Radio Network. I'm Harry. He's Tony. I'm not going to bother you all with the frivolities of our traditional open, because quite frankly, the mood is not one where those would sit well. Um... Tonight's episode of The Reaction is called Heavy is the Heart, and it has absolutely nothing to do with the world of professional wrestling. But in a way, it has everything to do with the world of professional wrestling, just not the world that we traditionally cover. Tony, do you want to go first or second here?
1: Um, Well, I mean, anybody that does listen to us knows that I write for 411mania.com. And, um, today we lost, uh, basically the King, the, I would say like the triple H of 411. If Ash was Vince McMahon in his ivory tower, then, uh, Larry was the workhorse who was still in the trenches, but also greatly respected, um, the work of others. And, um, unfortunately he passed away, uh, very early this morning or late last night. I'm really not sure, but um, he was really young. I believe he was just under 50 and um, forty was yeah, synonymous with uh, 411mania.com. I mean, I, as a reader, as a younger <laughs> younger Tony, knew exactly who he was, read him, um, and um, had a very distinct style that I would say was minimal in, minimalist in terms of writing but the knowledge, the base, the foundation that he had was just nothing could compare. Um, you know, you could ask him about any wrestler and he'd give you an opinion. So, uh, because of this, uh, it's it caused a huge, huge, um, outpouring of, of love and support for his family and for the man. And, um, we're no different here on this show where, um, just extreme respect from, a uh, multiple standpoints I mean when when I look at my trajectory of you know adolescence to you know teenage years to adulthood, um, I'm now a published author working on my third book. I have my own clout I have a a following of my own, both in wrestling and in the writing world, but the very first place that I wrote, was 411 and the reason for that is Larry believing in me asking me to cover raw for him one time in 2011 and allowing me to do it in my own way and now we're here almost 10 years later and I am that guy and of course you know I could applaud myself but realistically it's Larry's kind of in the same vein as Triple H his knack for um talent and letting these people grow and letting these people become something. When you look at the list of names that come from 411, you know, a lot of people have their own distinct um, value. And I think he saw that in each one of them. And then you look at the man, which I think on the internet, you don't really know people as much as you would assume. Um, But when something like this happens and it hits you at a level that you're unaware of, you realize that you didn't really have to know them on that day-to-day level to know how good of a person they were. Um, Larry was a a father. He had kids and, uh, he would mention them every now and again. I remember distinctly his oldest daughter liking, um, one of the, what were they called in Chikara? The Ants? Huge fan of the green one, I believe. Yeah, I don't know, but, but they knew and Larry knew, (laughs) um, it's, uh, it's been a really, really tough day. Um, And this was actually, this show, this raw reaction, the reaction, we were originally going to dedicate this to um, a a friend of Harry's, you know, who passed away due to the COVID-19, which is a very real and problematic issue. I mean, our plans for this show was to give him a bit of a salute and just talk about the importance of family and realizing that, you know life is precious. And then we got double whammied with the unfortunate loss of Larry. And there's not one more important than the other. There's not one more um, shined upon by, you know, any higher being that you believe in than the other. Simply put, we lost two good men this week and we've lost quite a lot of people this year. And um, even if 2020 shows no signs of slowing down on the, the shit train, I do believe that we have an obligation to continue. Um, it's very hard to do work, you know. And I liken this, I liken four one one to wrestling to the WWE a lot. I've actually had a mind a mindset of writing a column about it uh, for years, where this brotherhood of fans, um, we are we we show up every week and we work hard and through the worst of situations were there no matter what. And I really, really felt that tonight in the comment section. And while doing the report, um, I'm not going to stop working. I don't think that Larry would want me to. In fact, I think he would be upset. Um, the dude was a deadline hound. He would, <laughs> he would email me frequently with, uh, you know, or where are my R's or where is this or where are that. And no matter what, he would always end it with, uh, that image that I put in the raw report of Bane holding up a photo and it's Batman deep throating a penis. Um, That was, that was his signature just for me, like literally just for me. Of course, my, my fandom for Batman is not a secret. And um, he took that and he ran with it. Um, This is for his daughters, for his wife, for him. Um, The dude just, he supported me at, at a point where, I didn't even know I was going to be a writer. I had no idea. I was fresh out of high school, working in real estate, had n- never put a pen to paper, and 4 and one was really the, the start that I does, I don't think gets enough credit because not enough people in my circle know fully what it is. Everybody knows I have to watch wrestling on Monday. They have no idea why. And when I explain it to them, I mean, Harry, listen to it this way oh, I type word for word what's happening on TV so people who don't see it get to read it. That just sounds asinine. (laughs) That sounds incredibly dumb. But it's what I've done almost every Monday for almost 10 years. And it's for Larry. It's for 411mania.com. The family got a lot smaller today, but I think it also got a lot closer. And um, I think it would be a disservice to him if I – didn't talk about Raw in the truly uh, scathing and hateful of Corbin fashion that him and I both were known and loved and sometimes hated for.
0: I started going to 411 Mania in 2001 when I was a teenager in high school. I would spend the better part of my days reading articles from the guys on the site like J.D. Dunn and Scott Keith. And as the years progressed, those names faded away from the site. Scott moved on to his own thing. JD stopped writing altogether. And new people took their places guys like Matt Petticord, guys like Arnold Furious, guys like the man who did the Raw Report before you did, Rob McNew. One of the constants that became a regular occurrence, though, when I started going to 411 more regularly as an adult was the byline under the title of Larry Zonka. And to be frank, I thought it was a rip. I thought it was a work, because I knew of the football player of the same name. I thought it was somebody assuming a pseudonym, a Dolphins fan perhaps, assuming a pseudonym in order to be able to write anonymously online. Until I got to meet Larry the person, talk to Larry the person through... Various forms. Larry was a lot of things, but a gimmick wasn't one of them. Genuine hardcore wrestling fan. Didn't matter the kind of wrestling. If he could write about a wrestling show, he would write about that some bitch, and he would do it justice. We were talking about this before we started on air tonight, Tony, and I said to you, it was about eleven fifteen. And I said to you, this would be about the time that I would pull up Larry's raw report on the tablet in order to make sure I didn't miss anything while we were doing our show discussion tonight. Because his work ethic was that strong when it came to the product on a week-in and week-out basis. He prided himself on not missing anything, and his work showed just how much he cared about the product, even if the product was driving him crazy. I personally never had the honor to meet him. I won't sit here and claim that I know him. I know people who have had a lot more interactions with him than I have, my co-host included. But as a fan, I felt like I knew him, and that's a connection that's really hard to explain. I said in my Facebook post before we started tonight that it's been a week of a day because I wonder, do we realize the effect, the long-term effect that the loss of Larry's uncle and the IWC is going to have here? And I don't think we do yet. But unfortunately, I think we will. This is a man who took his craft very seriously and was the fucking best at it. My thoughts go out to his wife, Christy, and his daughters. And my appreciation goes out to Larry for all the years of entertainment that he provided. And as if that wasn't enough of a kick in the balls this week, Tony. Yeah. (laughs) Long-time listeners of the show know that for years, I've done play-by-play commentary for a couple of local wrestling companies. Nine years. I just recently announced that I was stepping away back in April, that I would not be – doing commentary anymore just because it was getting to the point where I didn't feel like I had the same passion for it that I did when I was younger, and I didn't want to do a disservice to the men and women that were in the ring busting their asses for everybody. But one of the very first things I can remember about one of my first nights in wrestling when I started with a new company, this is a company that I had not been with before. I was talking to people and getting information about them and stuff. And Steve Fish who used to wrestle with Stevie Edwards locally, got injured in a match with a guy named Justin Vondreau, who local independent wrestling fans will know was the aftermath in the Ohio, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Indiana scene. There was a mistiming on a lawn dart, and I I know you know what I mean when I say lawn dart. I know most of the people listening know what I mean when I say lawn dart, but if you don't, it's where you have your opponent up on your your shoulder and you throw them face first into the turnbuckle. It's a move that Johnny Gargano uses regularly. And Fish hit at a really bad angle and it ended up taking him out of being a full-time wrestler. So he was doing commentary with me up at this promotion, and And after Math was wrestling, and he hit the move on somebody else, and without thinking about it, I dubbed the move the career killer, to which Steve proceeded to bust my balls relentlessly for about the next five minutes. Once the match was over and our microphones are off, he turns to me and says, that was actually pretty good. and gave me his permission to call it such going forward for Aftermath. That's who Steve Fish was as a person. He was a gigantic ball buster. If there was a chance for him to rib somebody, he was going to rib them. If there was a chance for him to go for a laugh, he was going to go for a laugh. But at the same time, there was not a more genuine dude in this business that you could have met he was the epitome of He was the epitome of class away from the character. He was a guy who knew that life had given him a second chance to live his dreams because he had had a kidney transplant when he was 21 years old in renal failure and still had the opportunity to become a professional wrestler. He lived every day like it was his last. Unfortunately, last week, his last day did come. The coronavirus, which we've discussed the impact on the world of professional wrestling on this show before, but never really personal impact because we didn't have any to discuss. Coronavirus, claimed Steve, in his mid-30s. Do me a favor, everybody listening. If it's your friends, if it's your family, if it's your associates, it really doesn't matter. People you care about, but you care about them. Because the death of Steve Fish has been sitting on my head for the better part of this last week. And I hope Steve knew just how much he helped a young up-and-coming kid, how much he helped a young punk broadcaster trying to get his foot in the door. I hope he realizes how much he helped other people, too. Steve, DJ Fish. I'm going to encourage people to check out Tony's Facebook page or the ChairShot website on Facebook as well, because Tony, despite not having much of a personal connection to Fish besides knowing him from the ChairShot website, wrote a very touching tribute poem for him as well. They're called The Last Dance, and I can't recommend that enough. Tony, I have to ask, what inspired you to write the poem?
1: You know, the with everything that's been going on previous to any death that's happened in the last week, um, there's, this, there's this unspeakable, unbroken bond that happens when you go to an indie show where everyone smells, and everyone is sweating and there's no ac and the the wrestling mat is like yellowed and some of the trunks have tags falling off and um at the end of the day no one gives a shit about any of that they're all just there watching read you know reading the room watching the match, and just falling in love with the product. And we've spoken about the indie uh, feeling for a long time. And when I found out that Steve did what he does, I realized that not a lot of people pay much attention to the commentary table, unless you're one of those indie people who buy the DVD afterwards or whatever. But when you're there, just like at WWE shows, you don't really hear Cole. You don't really hear um, the commentary team. And then I just, I put myself in the building and I just, I know that on Thursdays there's a wrestling show, but on Wednesdays there's anything else. There's a luncheon, there's an, you know, in the poem, there's an old couple dancing. Um, and it just, it made me feel like that was truly our world that no one knew about. And, and I kind of, I kind of feel that way now, especially today. Um, the show will continue to go on. Life will continue to go on. There will be comments fewer and fewer as days progress for Larry. And if 411 Mania continues to be what it is, eventually someone or some ones, because I don't think it can be one person, will have to step up and fulfill that role or at least help out. And I've already given my, um, my time, I've expressed that I'm willing to take on a little bit more in the, you know, in in honor of Larry Um, I don't want the reason one of the biggest reasons why I write poetry is it freezes time and I didn't want days to go by and us not to remember you know the life of someone who I've never met I've spoken to maybe two three times and it was just in response to comments and yet they've touched people or we have touched them, um, you know, this wrestling podcast even, if we have two people that listen to us, we've touched those two people. We have listeners that at one point we're not the biggest fans of, but I, I can almost guarantee, Harry, that they are, they used to be so excited to call in and to complain <laughs> and to be weird to us, but to them it was an amazing feeling and i just hope that steve and larry both are aware that even in this little room where we're all living our own little secret of wrestling fandom we paused for a minute to look at them and appreciate their life and um that's kind of what pushed me and compelled me to do it is the ability to freeze time is not something that everybody has and i think that as a writer um you have that power and I would be remiss if I didn't use it properly.
0: Once some kind of memorial, some kind of tributary is set up for Larry, we'll be sure to plug it here on the show.
1: Yeah, of course.
0: Um, for those interested, for those that maybe knew Steve from the from the Chairshot website for those who knew Steve from Facebook and his other endeavors, be him as wrestler, commentator, or as a DJ, which was his actual day-to-day job. Full-time DJ, weddings, nightclubs, everything like that. He owned his own entertainment company. There is a GoFundMe there that you can find by searching for Fish Fought on GoFundMe. And what I'll do is I'll try to try to find the link for the GoFundMe and add it to the show description so that way you guys can, if you feel compelled to do so or if you're able to do so. By all means, this is not me saying you have to do this. It's if you feel compelled to do so. A donation for the family in order to help with his final expenses once the opportunity comes to lay him to rest. Same with Larry as well. Once we have the ability to pass along any kind of information in regards to making potential donations to the family, to his wife, to his two daughters in order to help with the final expenses for Larry. I'm sure we'll be passing that along here on the show as well.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, Kevin Owens tweeted about Larry, okay? So that's how big of a deal Larry was. <laughs>
0: Ke- Kevin Owens, Austin Aries,
1: Chris Kurt
0: Bauer, Chris Jericho. TNA Impact from the actual Impact Wrestling account stating yeah. that while they may not have always agreed with Larry, at least he was fair. <laughs> that is a that is a real tweet that Impact Wrestling sent
1: out. Yeah, I saw it. Well, in true fashion, in what I believe Larry would want me to do, I did the Raw report. Um, if they want me for Friday to cover SmackDown for them, I will for the foreseeable future. Um, I'm going to kind of wait and see what the higher-ups want to do. But um, after today, I, I really want to push to bring a couple of the Larry Staples back to the site. Um, so I'll be working on that as well. But as far as tonight goes, um, we are going to keep it a little short. I know that Harry wants to talk about Money in the Bank and um, Becky Lynch, and I know that we got a little bit of raw to cover. So I figured I'd start by um, noticing this – heavy feeling as soon as we're all started today. Um, obviously with the news that Larry passed away, it was very, very interesting. And in a lot of ways, poetic to see the WWE start raw with a celebration of a future life. And for me, that didn't go unnoticed. And this isn't a specially crafted segue. It's kind of what I would have started the show with in general. Um, the fact that you know Becky Lynch is currently pregnant, and that's how we let's, started wrong.
0: You know, let's kind of go ahead and go right into the Becky Lynch thing here, because there is a there is a symbolism in the connection of life and death, and even with regards to the world of professional wrestling as well. Here, not an intentional segue, like you mentioned, but hey, it works. And in Larry fashion, the show must go on, right? Yep. All right, so. Um, the thing about Becky's pregnancy is, like, I see a bunch of people giving her shit about it online. Like, Jim Cornette blew a gasket, but in fairness, that's what Jim Cornette does, and Jim Cornette can shut the fuck up. I actually think that in terms of, for Becky, despite the fact that, yes, she's on one of the harder runs of her entire career. With everything happening right now with the worldwide status we find ourselves in, this is probably the best time for her to be able to take time off and have a child without losing too much of her drawing power, Because of us, with us being stuck in empty arena buildings anyway. I think that this is an opportunity for Becky to take the time off that she's going to need to take off in order to have the child and recover from having the child and come back and absolutely blow the roof off of the building when she finally does make her in arena return in order to wrestle once again. Because I do think that Becky's the kind of person that's going to want to wrestle again, despite becoming a mother. Now, can I say that for sure? Absolutely not. I don't know Becky as a person. I don't know her as... I don't know... I only know her as Becky Lynch, or Rebecca Knox before that. I don't know her as... I'm. I'm not going to be that guy and throw out shoot names just to throw out shoot names, but I don't know her as the non-performer. I don't know her as Rebecca Knox. I know her as Rebecca Knox when she was in Shimmer and then Becky Lynch when she signed with the WWE. And from what I've seen of Becky Lynch, the performer, Becky's going to want to get back to wrestling as soon as she can, even if she does have to take the time off and is willing to take the time off in order to become a mother. Overall, how do you think they handled the announcement of Becky having to forfeit the title due to her pregnancy?
1: Uh, I mean, there's plenty of wrong ways to handle it. I think they did just fine. I'm sure Becky Lynch had a lot to do with it. The deli- from a from a purely entertainment standpoint, it was wonderfully done um it was a long drawn out you weren't sure what was going on she was in tears you thought you were going to get another retirement speech that would have just broken our heart would have broken my heart it would have been very very sad anytime a wrestler has to retire it's sad so um it wasn't even a swerve as much as it was I'm gonna go have a baby and those tears that you saw those were not sad tears I know some people were saying they were she was sad and they weren't happy tears they were they were just tears, man. They were just an immediate reaction to news and realization that your entire life is going to change. Um, I can't speculate whether she'd go, you know, she'd come back to wrestling or not. And regardless of which one she does, I, she has every right to do, um, that choice. Uh, this kid is going to be amazing. I mean, this is going to be a star athlete. I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, we're going to have another kid, another wrestler in about 20 years uh, coming down to the WWE. But, no, realistically, super proud for Happy for Becky and Seth Rollins. They look incredibly happy. I'm not going to make any assumptions about anything, about her return, about how she felt about it, about, you know, it's just one of those moments where, you know, in this world and what we're going through right now, it was really, really nice to see, and a lot of people think the w w e are trying to take full advantage of it. I think they're happy about one of their family members being pregnant. they're not exploiting it, they're not trying to make money out of it they're you know well, they're pr- a, a little hold on. they're they're hold on, they're proud and they're happy and in true w w e fashion, if a story can come out of it, then they're going to do it. And if this causes Seth to have what he called a revelation, then I find that completely innocent and there's nothing wrong with that.
0: I was referring more to the fact that they're trying to make a little bit off of it. Did you see the newest Becky
1: Lynch shirts in WWE shop? Well, think about merchandise sales and think about what they go to. Think about why that is. I mean, that's that's a cash cow for Becky more than it is WWE. And this chick's oh, about no, to be I'm out the con- job. Sorry about that. I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but no, I'm not disagreeing with that.
0: And Becky actually went on Twitter and mentioned that saying that, yeah, normally I complain about this, but mama needs money for formula. Yeah. So like, I understand where they're coming from and I get it. And, I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of people that are going to be wanting to support Becky by buying the whole The Mom or The Ma t-shirts that they're selling on, on shop WWE right now. So, like, I'm not opposed to it. I'm just saying that there is an opportunity to line their pockets with Becky still a little bit here because even if Becky is getting the majority of the proceeds from these shirts or whatever, the WWE is definitely getting their cut as well. Mm. True. So we talked about the potential cluster fuckality of the Money in the Bank match, and we didn't have a show last week due to the fact that I got pretty badly sick last Monday night. I wanted to ask you how you thought the two Money in the Bank ladder matches ended up coming off with them being contested inside of the WWE's corporate headquarters up in Stanford.
1: Came off exactly as I thought it was going to come off. Kind of cheesy, not all that interesting. Um, I think the best thing that came out of it was that Otis won the um, Money in the Bank. I have been a huge proponent of the Money in the Bank winner being a relatively obscure choice as opposed to someone who's already established and well-built. I did not like the follow-up. I think that Otis is very, very quickly becoming a caricature of Otis. I think if he toned it down just a little, you know, he can go into that upper echelon of, of talent. Um, but as far as money in the bank itself, just not – it was. It didn't upset me, and it didn't offend me. It just was kind of eh, – I, I didn't – I could have done without it.
0: I had mixed feelings about the matches. One, the short runtime of the pay-per-view was something that really threw me off. And the, the fact that the main card only ran like two hours and 24 minutes. When you don't count the pre-show, that's just the main card only. Uh, the actual WWE Network's exclusive version of the show. That really threw me there. Um, the one thing that I did want to talk about real quick, besides the Money in the Bank ladder matches, though, was the Drew McIntyre-Seth Rollins match, which I thought was really, really good. And kind of teased a change in character for, for Seth last week because of the fact that he lost, and he touched on it this week by mentioning the fact that the loss to McIntyre kind of put him into a spiral, which he took out on Ray. But Ray helped him see that there was still opportunity at the end of the tunnel. So he thanked Ray tonight on Raw before finding a new disciple to align himself with, because apparently the authors of pain can't stay healthy. Let's first of all touch on McIntyre-Rollins. What did you think of the title match at Money in the Bank?
1: Um. Yeah, solid ass match for sure And uh, let's not get it twisted He didn't thank Ray, he told Ray you're welcome So Ray has to thank him <laughs> um, No, that was um, It was an amazing match I mean, kind of expected it to But um, just because you expect The match to be good and it's good Doesn't mean you can't give it some applause I think they did great
0: Or as, or as Big E would tell Kofi, get your flowers Mm-hmm um, what did you think about the angle to write off Ray last week with uh, Seth using the ring steps to go after Ray's eye? I actually thought it was one of those really cool old school angles. I I enjoyed it personally. I thought it was really well done. It's the kind of um, it's that kind of aggression you don't really see much anymore. And with them having the ability to be in a little bit more of an intimate setting because everything's so zoomed in with them zoomed in with them focusing on only the ring and not having to worry about fans at ringside. It's one of those things that comes off especially well right now because you have the ability to have the camera be, like, right there as Seth is trying to drive Ray's eye into the ring
1: steps. Yeah, I was fine with it. I mean, Ray's still beloved enough to, um, you know, for that to matter. And even well, if I list. find Ray kind of annoying, um, it, it, it works. And it's another fold for Seth, and Ray can go rest a little bit. Maybe he wanted to. Um, so yeah, everything was fine with that.
0: That brings us to tonight's episode of Raw, where after telling Ray that he was welcome for taking out his aggression on him, Seth then managed to find a new member of the disciples of the new Monday Night Messiah. As Austin's theory goes from aligned with Zelina Vega to aligned with Seth Rollins. I feel like I'd rather have Zelina. Yeah. Looks aside, it's definitely a step up in terms of importance on the show because obviously Seth is at a much higher level in terms of actual brand value on Raw than Zelina is.
1: Yeah, I mean this. I just found out today. Austin, there is only twenty-two, so there's a lot of upside to this guy. I thought that they were going to send him back to NXT, and I was going to be really upset about it. Not because they were sending him back, because that wouldn't have bothered me, but because it means that they wasted my time (laughs) by bringing him up. Um, But this could work, and it's nice to have, give Seth a nice little roster that um, kind of looks the part, I guess you could say. Um, We'll see. We'll see if he goes full disciple like Murphy with his hand, with his, you know, index fingers touching, or if he just is a little bit more of an enforcer. Uh, Either way, I'm interested. It also it also means that Seth may not necessarily be in the title picture for a little bit. And that is kind of refreshing too. It allows him to continue to be his character, but not in a way that is like a, you know, focus on the main event. Well, two things to say to that one,
0: I think you can also tease a sub story there with, with, um, Austin theory and Murphy as well, because you could see that they were kind of focusing on Murphy while Seth was welcoming theory in and murphy didn't exactly look pleased about the fact that seth was welcoming welcoming in another follower
1: yeah i'm not all in exactly excited about that i don't i mean you know it used to be a stable would be together for a long ass time and now we're getting these constant breakups and it just i would rather murphy just fall in line and and let them run rampant for a little bit do you
0: think it's the ADD nature of wrestling in general now that causes the quick starts and stops to these stables?
1: Well, I've said it before. A lot of people can blame the fans for having a you know, short attention span, but I think it's the other way around. I think the WWE created that attention span for the fans. There are people, a lot of people, who engage in television that sometimes takes a very long time or an entire season to tell one story. And they love it. Some of the best television shows have an overarching theme or story that's being told throughout the entire season and or series. So it's not the fan base that has ADD. It's the WWE that feels the need to blow their loads every chance they get.
0: Do you think it's a situation where, because of the fact that it popped the ratings that it did back in the Crash TV attitude era, that the wwe focuses on such tactics
1: no i just think that the writing team and vince have a short attention span um they're not good storytellers they're not capable of doing what we what what a majority of tv fans would like to have them do and that's a the big reason why they lose they lose they have lost so many fans over the years is their lack of self-awareness and this one's for larry because why Fuck
0: you, that's why. Ha, ha, ha. Yep. Insert little Vince McMahon meme here. All right. So the other big story to come out of tonight's episode of Raw, in my opinion, was the fact that we looks like we're going to get that alliance that we discussed between Bobby Lashley and MVP. And it looks... Like it could be the Backlash Championship match as Drew McIntyre will defend the Raw Heavyweight Championship against Bobby Lashley. As somebody who did watch Impact Wrestling and still does on occasion to this day, I know not a popular thing to admit in the IWC anymore, but it is what it is. I really enjoyed Lashley and MVP's work together with the BDC and Impact. And I think that having somebody with Lashley's, or with a... Lashley's entering ability combined with MVP's mic skills is going to do nothing but freshen Lashley up for a proper main event level run here. I'm really looking forward to seeing what Lashley and MVP can put together as a coherent duo, as well as seeing the opportunity for Lashley to finally have something that he can sink his teeth into that isn't feuding with R-Truth and his demented sidekick persona.
1: I'm sorry, Harry. Give me one second.
0: Okay, Tony needs a quick second. So we'll give Tony a second here, and I'll talk about a couple other things. A few other things from tonight's episode of Raw. I don't know why we're teasing the breakup for the Iconics, because it makes zero fucking sense to me. They literally just came back last week, and you're already teasing breaking them up. There's no point to it. There's no reason for it. The Iconics are probably the most consistent tag team in the women's division. I know that's not saying much, but they are. Unless you count Bailey and Foster as a tag team, which technically you could, but they're more focused on the SmackDown Women's title right now. Um, other news and notes from tonight's episode of Raw Apollo Crews is back. And Apollo actually looked pretty good in the match against, in the tag match against Andrade and Austin Theory tonight. Or not Andrade, against Angel Garza and Austin Theory tonight, which led to the breakup of Garza, Andrade, and Theory that we talked about a little bit earlier.
1: So it um, appears. Let me okay. I cover everything you mentioned. <laughs> um, uh, MVP and Lashley, amazing pairing, love it. MVP did more for Lashley by clapping at the top of the stage than r Truth's dumb, pretty Ricky skit and calling the fool Nelson of the Simpsons. Whatever, Truth is great. I love him, but you have to take him in moderation. Okay, he's like he's he, like a bad drug. Like if there's too much, he he's has gonna a hurt. shelf life yeah for sure um, so anyways, uh there's that, and then um well so so the reason why I had to go on to brief hold, a friend of mine called me um and found out that I have a wrestling podcast and asked me to talk about the fact that the w w e title belts have velcro on them, so I told them maybe one <laughs> maybe one episode, Harry, and i will <laughs> but but anyways that that was why I was interrupted <laughs> just to hear that bullshit <laughs> secondly <laughs> i'd say that um, feels like an Ornellis comment but he's actually called into the show before so yeah yeah well it wasn't him but yeah they did, just found out i was doing a, a podcast so anyways um as far as um apollo um his promo did a lot for him as well he seemed incredibly natural um no <laughs> handcuffs was a lot more fresh and refreshing and um i think that that did great the match the only reason why he stood out of the match is because it was incredibly short and they let him do his moves in like a a fast forward fashion basically eventually he's gonna have to have a longer match and that's going to you know that's going to be the the big test
0: He's proven that he can go in long matches in other companies. He's had a couple of really good matches done in NXT back before he got caught up to the main roster that were of that 10, 12, 14-minute television range that, frankly, showcased his athletic abilities without taking too much away from his persona. I do think that I agree with you, though, that the the backstage segment that he had, the interview he had with Charlie, did a lot for him in a positive connotation this time rather than in a negative light, which is what we traditionally see from Apollo's interviews.
1: Yeah, he was, was able was to come
0: thought. off. He was able to come off natural and not stilted like he traditionally does. The interaction that he had with Zelina came off very natural. It wasn't like it. It, it didn't feel force scripted. You know what I mean? I mean it. It probably was scripted to a degree, but I think that they were allowed to kind of like riff on it a little bit and allow their own personas to shine their the talk was that they were going to turn Apollo Apollo heel, but it looks like that may have been changed here, and if that is being changed here, I think I'm okay with it because if he's able to show this level of charisma going forward, if he's able to show something de- resembling character development going forward, I don't think you need to change him because we have a, we don't have a ton of, uh, of mid-card to main event level baby faces on Monday Night Raw as it is already.
1: Yeah, well, I mean... I will not go and say that they changed their mind because I've never once tried to assume that I know what they're doing. Um, But I will say that Apollo, heel or face, is, um, you know, is is slowly but surely proving everybody wrong. All right.
0: One other thing that I talked about while you stepped away that I wanted to get your thoughts on is the teasing of the breakup of the Iconics tonight.
1: Is that what that was?
0: Just, uh, Billy slapped Peyton in the face.
1: I mean, I just thought it was foreplay. Um, I don't care about yeah. them. I, their match into, was n- was not good.
0: Turning into a CZW pay-per-view promo. Four hmm. One One Mania for that story, folks. Trust me, it's worth the read. See I, I like them as a tag team I, and I kind of mentioned this while you were out I think that they're probably the longest tenure tag team on the main roster right now which isn't saying a lot but it's saying something that there's been time to, into there's been time put into developing them as a team I personally like Billy and Peyton I like the gimmick I like the character work they're not they're nothing special in the ring I'm not going to sit here and say that they are but who else do they really have in the women's tag team division for Alexa and Nikki to face? Carmella and Dana?
1: Pass. I mean, I'm just not interested in the division as a whole, to be honest with you, outside of the one person that I find incredibly attractive, who's not even wrestling. Um, <laughs> it, it, it needs a massive, not even an overhaul. It just needs a focus, um, a focus that I don't see right now. And the Iconics are not it. Um Yeah. I, well, I think we're going to be split here. I don't. I don't really. They, tonight didn't really impress me. They're they're not that good. They look great, and Peyton is beautiful. <laughs> but that's that's about all I got. Especially based. I on stand the, by, by what
0: closing. I've said. i sorry about that. I stand by what I've said before. Tony, she's better as a brunette. The blonde hair doesn't work for me for Peyton. <laughs> uh, a couple other quick hits from tonight's episode of Raw: um, Charlotte Flair and Ruby Riot. Thanks for showing up, Ruby. Don't let the door hit you.
1: That was just dumb. Okay, I know that Ruby Riot didn't come out to avenge Liv Morgan, but it kind of came off that way. I know that wasn't their intention, but this just goes to show how crappy they are at even putting together the most simple of stories. What reason did Ruby have to come out? And why did Charlotte say, I know you have a lot to say to me, come out and say it. And then we just start a match, like immediately. She didn't say anything, not that I wanted her to, but it just, it didn't connect. It was a huge disconnect. And then mid-match, you're, you're screaming into the camera, like, you know, are you watching live? Are you watching what I'm doing? Which gives a false impression that you're doing this, to what impress her, rub it in her face? Didn't you just beat her last week? Why does it matter? And I don't know. I just it was it was a segment that just was more eye roll inducing than anything. And one thing one thing that I will give them credit for, and you saw this also at the in the main event, is there's, they made Charlotte look out to be leaps and bounds above Ruby, as opposed to not doing that with Liv. I don't know if you noticed that or if it was something that um, I'm making up, but Charlotte was she out wrestled her. Never mind winning the match. She just every single move that was made by Ruby did not work.
0: Well, I think when you consider that the end target is once again going back to Charlotte and Liv because they had the Liv promo that aired right before this match. Liv had beaten Ruby Riot twice in a row. So if Charlotte can beat Liv, then by transitive property, Charlotte shouldn't have any issues with uh Ruby either. Yeah. So I mean, it's definitely establishing a tier on the Monday Night Raw Women's Division. I just don't necessarily agree with it, but that's a conversation to have another time, I suppose. You've officially given up on the Street Profits and the Viking Raiders, haven't you?
1: Um, I'm just not a fan. I don't ever give up fully on anyone. It's how they're portrayed, and I I didn't even cover a angle of this in at the... least. Oh, for sure, I'm I'm over it.
0: I like, I like the idea of them trying to one-up each other at, their own, at each other's different um, interests and stuff. But the story was already there to be told after the bitch-out that Bianca gave the Street Profits for not taking the Viking Raiders seriously. And I felt like you had a potential to kind of deppen, deepen, de- deepen, for sure to deepen the characters for the Street Profits beyond happy-go-lucky, jovial guys that like celebrating with the crowd to guys that can really put their shit together when the situation calls for it. And instead, it just seems like they're going back to lowest common denominator booking here and going for the ha-ha rather than the actual intensive, the the intellectual storyline
1: out of this. I just... There's oh, there's not enough time for me to talk about all the things that are wrong here. The one good quality that I think they're attempting to get out of this is to give the Viking Raiders a personality. But when you stifle them with a gimmick that is relatively archaic, you have to have a personality that either melds with it or there's a reason why they are being this way. Something even as trivial as when they hear that bell ring, they are Vikings. Or – you know, I don't need Michael Cole explaining to me the Viking lore. I want these people to be people. And I think that's what they're trying to do. But the, the juxtaposition of the street profits and then them doing this and then the cops showing up and there's just, a, this is, a, it's like they're not even aware of the current times that we're in. There's, there's no reason for this to be happening. And, you know, your mind goes places when there's two black men on TV and the cops show up and, I'm not saying my Oof. mind goes there per se. I'm saying the climate that we're in right now, it's just it, it shows you be a lack of awareness again. Um, there wasn't a lot of humor in there. There wasn't a lot of humor in the entire segment. It just kind of came off as shitty writing. And even the street you know process, what as funny as they are and as as, as as great as they are, it just was like, man, I wish they were doing something else because I know that they could shine. You know what else there
0: wasn't a whole, lot of, a whole lot of in that segment? Social distancing. Oh, yeah. All right. Anyway, two other things to touch on real quick, and then we'll get to a final reaction for tonight's Raw, since we're basically just focused on Raw due to the personal stuff that hit. Um, first of which, Shayna yet again takes out Natalia. and it seems to be setting up Shayna for another run at the top of the women's division. But instead... Nia Jax is the one who confronts Asuka. Would this have been where I should have saved because fuck you, that's why from Vince? Because I feel like this should have been the spot.
1: I mean, someone's got to wrestle her, so I guess Asuka, you know, can do that. But just uh, still not a fan, not interested, again, in the women's division, uh, in Nia Jax especially. Um, And just, you know from the layout, from uh, the uh, <clears throat> um, her being super close to them in the backstage area, but supposed to be sneaking, and everything just looked hokey. I don't know. But anyway... Yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> to be fair, I don't yeah. think she does anything
1: sneakily. Well... Anyways, continue. I don't have much to say about it. I'm not... If this is the next program, then that's fine. But... They
0: appear to be teasing a heel turn for Natalya. Do you care?
1: Nope.
0: Didn't think so. Although she did do Kevin Owens a favor by getting rid of all the extras from the sets that Owens didn't have to before his tag match. So it's that. All right, the last thing to discuss for tonight's episode of Raw is how we opened the show, actually. Besides the, the Becky video from last week, we opened with Edge and Randy Orton setting up a straight-up singles match for Backlash. Do you think it's a little weird that they're going kind of backwards here, going from a last-man-standing match to an actual wrestling match?
1: Um, they're doing what they can to sell the actual wrestling match, and I think they're doing it well.
0: I think that they're hurting themselves in the long run, though. I think the hyperbole is too strong on this one. It'll be the greatest wrestling match ever. Seriously. (laughs) Going to drive that home just like the Money in the Bank one from this year, aren't you? That's like their new thing. They come up with a tagline for whatever match they happen to be focusing on, and then it's this and this and this. The consequences will be worth the reward. And tell that to Alistair Black, who got thrown off a fucking building. I mean, only six <laughs> feet down, but still, he got thrown off a fucking building.
1: Well, no, so no like, I mean, it does, seemingly doesn't matter. Corbin was right there, and um, no one did anything. <laughs> well, in fairness, Alistair had his ass handed to him earlier
0: in the show by Seth Austin, and and they did kind of talk about that on commentary by the fact that Seth Austin and Murphy had beaten up Aleister earlier in the show. So at least there was a little bit of continuity there, sort of-ish, kind of. Sure. I'll give them a a minor benefit of a doubt on that one at least. Anything else from tonight's show that you wanted to specifically touch on, Tony? Nah. Final reaction for tonight's episode of Raw. Uh,
1: Favorite match or moment? Um the main event was actually you know what there is something I want to say. Um Corbin played his part incredibly well tonight. Uh like I mentioned with Charlotte, one thing that they're doing and I don't know if it's um just overall, but it was definitely noticed tonight is that the champions are wrestling like champions. Drew kicked out of everything. And um Corbin uh just he did his part. He looked outshined. He looked outshone. He looked uh lesser than. He looked way too way in over his head and that's exactly what he should have been. His promos sucked. His backstage all that was garbage. But I think that's also by design. But in the ring, not bad. I got to give it to him. This match was really really solid. Everyone played their part right and I think that that's probably was probably my favorite part of the show.
0: I'm going to go with getting Kevin Owens back just because I'm such a big fan of the guy's work. I'd like to see him have something a little bit more impressive to sink his teeth into than being Apollo Crews' second in his battles with Andrade and Friends. Well, Andrade and Yeah, I don't
1: see him supporting Apollo. Like, that doesn't fit for me. Like, I don't know. But whatever, it is minor.
0: But at least Owens is back, and that's good to see, especially after, let's be honest, it was one hell of a jump that he took at uh, WrestleMania, even if it wasn't the one he originally had planned, if you believe the rumor, innuendos. Mm
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Had you actually heard that, that he actually wanted to jump off the pirate ship at WrestleMania?
1: Yeah, I heard about that.
0: That's cool.
1: I would have popped. All right, least
0: favorite match moment tonight. You're Greg Walker.
1: Uh, I'm just going to go with Nia Jax because I don't want to see her. The Viking Raiders is in a close second. I'm going with the teasing of
0: the Iconics breaking up. It's a time waster. Why? What, what point did it serve? It's not like you're actually going to do anything there. You're not going to break them up. You're not going to separate them. You're not going to send them to different shows or put on a different brand against each other. You're not going to have them feud. Just stop. Fucking stop. Scale of one to ten, Tony.
1: Four out of ten. Oof, the Bret Hart special.
0: I'm a little bit higher. I'm at a five and a half. I enjoyed it. It went by quicker than it has in recent weeks. Yeah, there were a couple of things of temporary filler, but there wasn't anything like matches that were way too long for the sake of being way too long. I appreciated that. I appreciated the fact that they actually put some effort into building to a main event that people might want to see. At least some people would want to see Drew kick Baron Corbin's head off. Yeah. So overall, I think that that there was an effort there, plus the – the, the whole thing with uh, Lashley and MVP as well, which I don't think we gave enough credit in our favorite match or moments of the show either.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's well, there's more to come, I'm sure. All right. Um, I'm
0: making an executive decision here. Tonight's MVP is Larry Zonka.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. Man, I and made no a tribute column to him right now. Probably not the best time to, to open that up. Um, but a lot of writers from the past and currently um, each had something to say about him, and it just got posted if you guys want to check that out. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I shouldn't have clicked right now. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah. Ashish was uh, mentioning the fact that one was coming later when he posted the uh, the story with the, the news about Larry's passing. I'll have to give it a watch a little bit. I'll have to give it a read a little bit later on. Um, yeah. Tell your friends and your family you love them. Hug them extra tight when you get the chance to. It's a long trip cool. around this world that we all take. Some of us are here longer than others, but make sure that you take the time to tell everybody that you spend your trip with how much they mean to you because you never know when it'll be the last chance that you get to do so. Rest in peace, Larry Thomas Zonka and Stephen DJ fish. I, I was going to, I was going to plug our stuff, but it doesn't feel appropriate to do so right now, Tony.
1: It's fine. We'll be here next week. Um, doing it for Larry, doing it for Steve, doing it for the fans, and, of course, selfishly doing it for us. I think for the first time in numerous years, I will not end this with a deuces, bitches, but with a rest in peace to Larry. Thanks for listening to this
0: week's episode of The Reaction, everybody. We'll talk to you guys next Monday night here on the Shot Radio Network. Uh, Bye. You have been listening to The Reaction here on the Chairshot Radio Network. Join us again next Monday night at 11.30 p.m. Eastern as Harry Broadhurst and Tony Acero bring you everything you need to know about SmackDown and Raw on the road to backlash here on The Reaction, a presentation of the Chairshot Radio Network online at thechairshot.com. thechairshot.com always Use
1: your head.